ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between. Welcome back to Thirsty Work, the all-new tantalizing sex education podcast. Tonight we're joined by the glorious Brad Woto, where we'll be talking about sex and drugs. Hmm, it's Thirsty Work. Ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between, it's Val and Vane from the editing room here. Just wanted to give you all a heads up that today's conversation does include references to sex, drugs, growing up in an abusive environment, and some references to suicide. Please look after your own mental health, look after your own spoons. If this isn't the episode for you, that's perfectly fine. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between. This is Thirsty Work, the uh, brand new sex education podcast, season two, doing delightful, amazing things. And I've got an amazing guest with me here today, Brad Woto. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on, Brad, was because you've been so very open about your history with um, drugs and what have you. Um, so, yeah. So, without any further ado, Brad Woto, you glorious individual. Thanks very much for sticking around through the first 20 minutes. It was... That's my time. Sorry. <laughs> That's it. I'm yeah. out. Done. <laughs> Done and dusted. And as I mentioned, you have been quite open with your past about, like, previously being an addict and what have you. Mm. Like, that is very... And credit to you for, for doing that. I know that a lot of people like to shy away from it, but... You are. I didn't talk about it for so long. Yeah. Really? Yeah, no, I, I literally never spoke about anything, really. I was just, I don't know what the, uh, what it is, but I think it was um, being brought up by just, and surrounded by that sort of toxic masculinity energy where you aren't allowed to talk about your feelings and you shouldn't, like if I was to say anything about addiction or all my struggles and things, then yeah. it's kind of weakness almost. Oh, so I right. never really, I just kind of had that drilled into me. Everyone in my family that's male is a mechanic or a builder, you know, like a construction worker or something. Okay. And real so everyone's, yeah. yeah, like real macho energy. I've always been like the kind of the black sheep of the family, kind of just a little like different kind of, um, and yeah, I had a crazy childhood, weird, um, general, like the same abusive story you've ever heard over macho dad, very violent, that kind of, you know, I don't really need to go into detail. Yeah. It's the same as any story you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. um, and then in my teens, um, I just became dependent on drugs because instead of processing my emotions and what I was going through and figuring out what was happening in my head or heart or whatever you want to think of it as. Um, I just kind of discovered drugs and was like, oh, I can just medicate myself to feel okay and normal, kind of. usually the story, to be fair. Yeah. And so I just did that. And I didn't realize that it was incredibly harmful so much because it's just, it wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, like completely out of my mind or anything. I was using drugs from like 15 till about 23, but like hard drugs pretty consistently 19 to the end of my 23rd year. Um, so you I was, started as early as 15. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was, I, I guess it depends what you count weed as as well, because if we count weed, then we're in, then I'm 14. <laughs> so okay. I don't know. Um, because I kind of, I, I do have like a weird thing with, I don't really do anything now. I drink maybe a beer, mm. one beer a night is my max. I didn't drink for a long time as well. 
but I picked it up again recently because I was getting bored. Which um, is, <laughs> yeah. which is, I mean, um, I also have a lot of self-control now. Like I yeah. know where I'm at and my limits and stuff really well. Um, but yeah, drugs just became this thing for me where I, um, I think, oh, well, I know now I'm much, much older. I'm 36 now. Mm. I've been clean for 13 years. Um, That's what well, Congratulations, first and foremost. Thanks very much. It's rough. It's really one of the hardest things I think I've ever been through. And I, I don't think I'm really over it either. Like there are times when I sit and think about it and I think, oh, I've processed that and I'm over it. And it was so long ago and stuff. And then there are days when I'm just like, I still feel, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go out and do some drugs. Or my, my immediate response to something maybe bad happening is, oh, I should get drugs to fix this and, and you know, level myself out. I think um, that's one of the, the constant things with addicts is they always say, like, you never stop being an addict. Like, no, nah, I, I 100% agree with that. Do you know how I know that that's true is that I'm still an addict in my dreams. I still take drugs. I still smoke. It's crazy. Wow. Like, I'm, yeah, I wake up and I'm like, dude, I was just doing coke in my dream. And it was normal, you know? Is, do you so, still get the, sort of, the same sort of feeling of like the the drug effect in your dreams or is it just like yeah, i don't the know habitual really. nature of it yeah i think it's more like the habit it's more just how i i guess i think it must just be how my brain is wired um because you know that was how i wired my brain as a kid yeah yeah um so it doesn't feel like i'm like you know high or crazy or you know like i've just done some ecstasy or you know whatever yeah um but i i do feel like a lot of uh uh, almost all of my dreams, I, I will just casually still take a load of drugs, just anything, you know, like whatever it is. Um, it's really, really odd. And yeah, it is a, a daily um, thing. It, it's almost like it's probably, this is probably like maybe too dramatic to say, but it does feel like every day the first thing I have to do is go manually, don't take drugs. Now get on with everything else, right? Like I have to first not be a drug addict and then I can just get up and go and I mean, have a shower. If that's the way it works, because especially with drugs being that escape, quite literally, of just even like a lot of people think that, that a lot of the, the drug addiction comes from like oh, escaping of external factors. Um, like you say, like your, your stereotypical abusive background. Um, but the realistically speaking the nine times out of ten it's escape from your own mind yeah like 100 percent. i think um i've i've had a i i've had like a weird life you know like it mm. it's i've done a lot of things and i feel like i've lived a few different lives you know like i've doctor who regenerated a lot and i think a lot of people who get older you feel every few years you go through some transformations and things and I definitely feel like I've been through a few of them, but the um, the journey has always had this through line of like mental health stuff going on. Where I was a kid, I didn't know at fourteen that I was depressed, that I had anxiety, and I had these um, issues. I have OCD. Um, Where would you? And they, they, it's I, your yeah, normal. No you idea. Know? Yeah, I just was like, this is what everyone feels like. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think between 14 and 15, I, um, I started to recognize that my friends were different. 
You know, they were just like, they wouldn't react to things the way that I would. And that I would say just casual stuff like, oh, how about when you feel like you want to kill yourself? And they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, what? And it was so, like, I was like, oh, you don't feel like that? Like, what? You don't need to medicate yourself to feel happy. And you're just enjoying this right mm-hmm. now without booze, you know, even. And it was weird. And I, I started to recognize that. And then, but the, I guess the thing is that I didn't talk about it with anyone. It was, I pretty much never spoke about it. I didn't speak about it with my family. I have one friend who she, she had um, a sort of similar experience. And so we kind of spoke to each other a bit more about some more emotional things. But I also just didn't really have the ability to describe it. You know, like now I can speak about things because I'm old and I know how to have a conversation with someone. But if you speak to a 15 year old now, you're like, oh, I thought I was an adult. When I think back at me being 15, looking at my 15 year old eyes, having conversations, I thought I was like the big man. But now I'm like, man, I was a child, like so young. I feel that. I was just going out, scoring drugs and shit. It's crazy to think about. I I never really got on the drugs, but I I know what it's like to start early because I started like I was drinking from 10 and nightclubbing from 14. So that, that whole bravado of being like, Oh, I'm an adult. Don't know what you're talking about. I I fully get that. Yeah. Being able to get into the like local clubs at 15. Like, I mean, now I think they've clamped down a lot on like Mm -hmm. IDing people and stuff. But when I first started going clubbing, there was none of it. Like, and I, and I was like six foot tall at about 15. And so I could just get in. Like I, I probably looked young, mm-hmm. but now when now that I'm older, I see a twenty-year-old, and I'm like, I don't know if that is a fourteen-year-old or a twenty-year-old. Mm-hmm. I can't tell. I don't spend any time around people that are that young. Yeah. So I imagine that like bouncers and stuff must have the same thing. Where they're like, yeah, this is just how kids look. Oh, I've definitely been baby like on a night out and asked a potential lover for an ID just because I was like, I need to know. <laughs> I can't yeah. guarantee that, that. Yeah. You know. But I like, I definitely, uh, uh, had for some reason I had a lot more opportunity to go out and get drunk. Once you're in a club, you can find drugs really easily yeah. uh, as well. Um, and, and this for me was South London. I would go along the coast along like North Kent. Cause you could get into clubs in like Dartford and Gravesend. And yeah. I'd go all the way out to like, there was like a call rock club that i would go to that was in like somewhere i think it's called strood i don't know anyone from the uk is going to recognize some of these places rochester kind of area um but i i was going because i just wanted drugs more and more eventually and i just needed to get drunk did you get it was so amazing did you go that far out specifically to like avoid the local area and stay out of local trouble or i just went wherever i went yeah, I wasn't, I was off the rails, dude. Like the, the version of me that you've come to know yeah. over the last however long, who plays D&D, I live at home with my dog and I'm so, so different yeah, to yeah. this. I was insane, dude. Like I didn't have glasses on. I had like a little French crop with hair, you know, I, I like just wore whatever everyone was wearing, t-shirt and jeans and, you know, kind of what, what made sense. Mm. I, I was very much like trying to, was performative almost, you know, like I was just presenting what I thought everyone wanted around me. Um, but really my singular motivation was just to get absolutely fucked up. Um, and the more, the, the more time that went on, the more money I was getting and I was getting older. By the time I hit sort of 20, 
I had moved out. My mum basically kicked me out. It was bored. It was one of those like, "You're fired." No, I quit situations yeah, at home. Yeah. Um, I was an absolute handful. She'd just been through a load of shit with my dad. They'd broken up. Me and my dad went no contact, and he was crazy, and it was in, just an insane time. My mum, when I think about it now, she was like my age now. She was like dealing with these two kids and like this whole chaos that was going on. And then you had me, I was off the rails, just going absolutely insane, but also completely masking any of it from her. Like she, she had no real idea. I don't think she knew kind of hard to tell with parents. Cause when you're younger, you think you're sleuth as fuck. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe she could tell, like I must've come home stinking of at least weed, you know, like, or like I was obviously drunk. I was, I was yeah. hung over and stuff, but I don't know if she knew that I was using it as like a coping mechanism. Many years later, me and my mum had an argument in which eventually all of this came out. Yeah, yeah. And since then, we've been we've gone on a lot better because she understands my mental health, which makes me think she didn't know when I was a kid that yeah. I was freaking out. And I didn't really know either. So when I moved out at 20 and I had my own place, I moved in with a guy that I knew, kind of just a friend of a friend. And me and him basically owned a crack den for three years. This <laughs> is essentially Jesus. what it was. Um, we just had a... Uh, an apartment just kind of outside of London, the, the, you know, like when I say outside of London, like zone six, if okay, that means yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. Um, and uh, the door was open. You could come, if you had drugs, if you had booze, anything really, you could come in and just a revolving door of people, strangers all the time. I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad, but I quite, I liken it to, in, okay, in that show, mm-hmm. there's a character called Jesse Pinkman who gets this kind of like, he gets a bit of money, buys a sound system, and then everyone is in his house. It's almost like a constant party, but they're all kind of laying around and all fucked up all the time. Um, it was like that. But also, I was working a normal job. So I wasn't quite like movie. It wasn't like this big, you see like drug addicts in movies, and you're like expecting them to be like almost cool and just like, right. I was just working a normal job in a reprographics firm, fucked up all day, got home, did drugs until maybe 3, 4 a.m., tried to come down, couldn't, would sleep for like two hours, get up, Red Bull, go to work, work to get home to take drugs. The amount of money I was making was like enough to just cover rent, so I was still kind of just, people would come in with drugs. And everyone had drugs and it was everything pretty much. The only thing I didn't really get into was heroin. I smoked heroin, but I didn't ever inject because I have a fucking huge phobia of needles. I think it's the only reason. (laughs) Like that was the only thing. But I had friends who who were um, uh, heroin addicts, but we didn't see too many of them. When um, And if you recall, 2005-ish time. Okay, yeah. Heroin was out, and it was just before um, ketamine came in. Yeah, yeah. That became the big thing a couple of years, like around the year I got clean. Um, so there was a lot of like MDMA and Coke was, was like pills and powders mm-hmm. were like predominantly the things that I, and I, people would just hand me anything. I don't even know what I was taking most of the time. Did you I was care? Just taking it. No, I didn't give a shit. Um, a couple of times I completely lost my mind on certain drugs. I found out that I'm particularly susceptible to a benzo 
alcohol mix. So mm-hmm. something like a Valium. And a, I had one Valium and a can of Foster's one night. And it, I don't remember the entire evening, just complete blackout. And I mean, most of those three years is kind of patchy in my memories. It's kind of weird. It's like thinking almost in your own memory, you have those like redacted lines. Yeah, yeah. In, I just, I have that throughout th- a three year period of just huge chunks of time. And do, I don't remember do they sort of come back over time? Like no, no, no pretty gone. much. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea because I just don't think I. I don't know. I guess my brain wasn't recording or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, or like sometimes, I know a lot of other people who are alcoholics or maybe even just smoke weed or something. Some people kind of feel like they have like two personalities eventually, yeah. and you only remember the stuff you have when you were drunk or fucked up or whatever. You can remember what, what you were like last night when you were drunk and fuck, drunk and fucked up, but when you sober you can only remember being sober it kind of got to being a bit like that for me but i spent almost no time sober it was just the other the other personality just really taking over of all of and i was i was completely gone like and i wasn't eating i didn't eat anything really for three years it wasn't i didn't look i wasn't in a gym or anything like that by the time i moved out really i should have provided you with some photos but i don't know how to find them (laughs) but i have a couple of photos that i could probably dig up and show you one day of just how emaciated i looked because i'm quite skinny yeah but i was bones my hair was super long didn't do and do anything um by the time i by the time i moved out and by the time i got clean um i was just completely it's just a different person. It just overtook my entire life. What was it that, because I'm aware, for, like I've not been an addict myself, but I've got lots of friends that have been, and I know that they usually have to hit rock bottom before they're prepared to change. So what was it that helped you change to choose sobriety? Um, yeah, I think they call it a eureka moment or something mm-hmm. like that, um, where you hit this. And for me, it was a rock bottom. I, I was at home in that crank den but it was actually empty for once there were rare times that i would be alone there um and there was no one in this house and i was laying in this front room the place was just a state just imagine you can only imagine what it would look like there were two tvs it's just tins and ashtrays and ash and mm-hmm. the sofas are wrecked and um everything was just horrific and um i was laying there very um uh, i wasn't sort of i guess i wasn't depressed but well i was depressed but it wasn't what did it i don't know how to describe the state i was in actually now i think about it but we'll just say depressed i was feeling extremely low Mm. extremely i've had i've had several run-ins constant run-ins with suicidal ideations and a couple of run-ins with straight up suicide and i was having one of those days where i was just done or like as a this is so maybe too much i don't know but um i get to points in my life where i get very tired of bothering staying alive i just can't be bothered anymore it's not even like i feel emotional necessarily it's mm. just a, a tiredness and I, and almost like oh well i'm done reading this book i'll put it away but i'm like feeling like that about my entire life so i was laying in this apartment at 
And I was feeling like that. And it was making me, when you get into that state, if you feel kind of maybe a little suicidal or maybe you have some suicidal ideations or maybe you're really on the edge, um, it becomes extremely scary. It's easily one of the most frightening thoughts ever because it goes against like your instincts. And whenever you go against like those animal instincts, it's it changes you it, it it completely feels like you rewrite your dna almost because you're overriding something that you should be doing and i was laying there and i i knew that i was going to die is what it was i knew that if i kept on this path i was going to die it probably it wasn't going to be that week it was going to be probably years later on and 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 some eventually this lifestyle was going to kill me um and i i just i had a, a a very clear moment and this i can it's this is not redacted i remember it so clearly of just laying there looking up at this ceiling and thinking do do i want to die really like really honestly asking myself is this something that I want? And I knew, and this survival instinct happened in me that came back and said, no, why? We don't, you don't want to die. We don't want to die. But if we keep doing this, we're, we're going to, it's going to, I was running out of money. We had no money. We were, it was all going wrong. I couldn't afford anything. I couldn't afford like food like a mm. lunch or anything like that and i was just starving all the time couldn't afford cigarettes as a smoker that starts to fuck you up as well yeah, you start yeah. doing crazy things for cigarettes and i um and i just hit this like end of this tether where i would i just i went i can't uh, do this anymore and so i i got up and i'd left that house and i just I packed a bag <laughs> It's made me drink so bad. <laughs> and I left the house. And uh, let me grab my dog. That's all right. That's all right. That's the, the dog Merlin, for those people that don't know. Brad's got a little hound Merlin who goes furious for, uh, <laughs> for everyone around. He's furious when I tell the truth. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so I had this moment that... Um, that uh led me to just get up and leave and uh i wonder if you will would like a treat see what i have here is dog drugs <laughs> um, and um yeah so I, I i i got up in that moment i just stood up and i went into another room and i packed a bag i left and i went to my mom's house and it's now this is kind of the weird side of this is that it was easily i think the hardest thing i've ever done in my entire life it was so unbelievably difficult mm. um this is why i say i'm not really over it because i think it was extremely traumatic as well the um the thing with the lifestyle is you have to lose all of your friends mm -hmm. you that's the it's it, it feels like dying is what it feels like because some of my friends understood that they were still in. So it's very hard to spend time with them. And some of them don't understand and they think you're a dick because you just got up and left. I just left this apartment and there was rent that this, 
that the other guy that was living there was like, what do we do about this? You know? Yeah. And I quit my job because I couldn't keep going to this job because it was, it's all addiction is a lot of it is like the routine. Like I would get to a certain, um, part of my day and that would be when I would like sneak off and just do a little bump of something or, yeah. you know, just to get just me through the end of the day, through the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And I was just unable to do that. I couldn't even get through a, a day at my normal job because it was all attached to this like habit. And I had to break just this whole habit. I had to lose, I lost all of my friends. Um, and I just, the thing is for everyone else, I just went like that. It's like, now when I look back, I went, whoa. And I pulled a cord and I, you know, I yeah. saved my life is what I did, but I didn't realize that that was what I was doing at the time. It just felt like I'd just gone scorched earth and everyone didn't understand. Half of my friends hated me. Half of them I couldn't really be friends with anymore. Um, my mom just did not know what was going on. I just showed up at my mom's house with a bag and was like, hey, I'm moving back in. I quit my job. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Did like, she know why that you, just... you were an addict? No. She knew oh. nothing of, of this life. Yeah, in which case, so that's quite the, <laughs> quite the thing, yeah. I was just like, I don't want to work anymore. And I don't want to pay rent, so I'm just going to be a 23-year-old. I'm going to live on your couch. Um, so I just moved back home with my mum, and she hated me for it. She was like, get up, go to work, go get outside, find a job, you know, like, like your mum does when you're 15, kind of. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm now having withdrawals, but pretending I'm not. And I'm like freaking out. Everyone hates you. I feel insane. I haven't got a job. I have no money. My body is going absolutely just every which way. Like one minute I'm throwing up, the next minute I'm shaking and freaking out and I'm having all these like weird feelings and thoughts that just your synapses are going absolutely loopy. You're in need of something. So you're like insanely hungry. Then you're like, oh, I need to smoke something. And then you're like, I need food. And then you need water. And then you don't want anything because you want it. It's the weirdest thing to go through physically but i don't think that was even that bad compared to the weird sort of social element of just having to like hit a reset on your life yeah. i live with I, I said before and and he's quite open about it but i, I live with a and recovering alcoholic at the moment and one of the things that he's really struggling with is just how available alcohol is and yeah like every and social secure. situation yeah, it is the cure. It's that's the... the thing that's weird is that you're you're able to fix the worst feeling ever mm -hmm. physically, and and also you like you're you're fighting yourself. So your your brain is screaming at you to go and get stuff, and you go no 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 for as long as you can, and then eventually you don't have any control over that part of your brain because you're just debilitated down to the point. It's like, it's like me saying, Hey, Valen, just hold your breath forever. You can't do it. Like eventually, as long as you're not passed out or if someone's holding your mouth or something, you will eventually just go, <gasps> yes, you just can't stop it. And it feels like that. And you have to fight that for like the first few weeks were absolutely like, I, I think it was, probably some of the worst, like the worst feelings I've ever had physically. Um, and then you have the first months, which are just 
a you lot of, of prick your own brain, don't you, into finding reasons why you should go back to whatever it is. Like having that, that little moment. Yeah, where it's, it's all just like, excuses oh. that you come up with it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was smoking as well, and I, I was still smoking. Um, I, I carried on smoking weed and cigarettes, and I was still drinking during this. So I quit all of the hard drugs. So if anything that was like class A, class B at the time mm -hmm. that I was taking, which was just about everything that I could get my hands on, pills, acid, coke, whatever, um, didn't matter. That's what I had to quit. Um, but I didn't go completely cold turkey on all the other little things because yeah, yeah. booze is, I think, worse than weed. If I'm honest, I don't. I, 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 I people... it is. It is. There was there was yeah. a study done in America where a um, professor actually lost his job because he recategorized all of the drugs based on. I think it was the the three things were the lethality, their addictive qualities, and uh, readily availableness or something like that. And like alcohol was a class A drug because it's just. Absolutely so believe that. easy to fuck you up and weed was still very low on the thing because it in itself isn't particularly addictive it's like the nicotine you get with the spliff etc that's the addictive part of yeah. it and it has many medical properties yeah and if you're in a position like i was in as a as a kid where you're just freaking out all the time but you don't even maybe know it and emotionally just kind of confused um this being in a, a state of just smoking some weed and being high and just calming down or even just being nothing it can reduce you to just laying in a sofa you feel like you're deflated sometimes on a sofa and you're just you're like a paper man that's like almost part of the sofa like okay. that feeling just being fully stoned it was great for me because i i couldn't be alone with my thoughts like you said earlier on before yeah, yeah. we were on the call i can't uh, well, I say I can do it now, but I couldn't at the time. I couldn't handle just being me. I, I didn't understand how anyone could stand being in their own skin without something helping you to just cope um, for the longest time. Just for and for years after I even quit drugs, I still struggled with it. Um, well, especially I, I mean, you you said you had yourself. You had a background of like old-fashioned toxic masculinity but within those old style especially more traditional values um appearances is that whole view of we don't have mental health problems in our family no right. no child of mine is going to have mental health problems or, or what have you so everything just gets like don't even exist ignored swept under the carpet um yeah like i know that a lot of people in this day and age are getting like adhd assessments because they didn't realize back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s that ADHD was a spectrum, and therefore they were just, oh, they're, it's a wild, they're, they're a wild child. They're a wild yeah, child. Yeah, so, feral. You know, and it's just like, okay, the, the mental health is much bigger than that, and it's good that things are getting better, but... Right, I mean, we, we didn't have the internet and stuff. Um, I didn't, I, I had a computer, I had some internet when, access when I was in my mid to late teens, but it was like that early doors <laughs> dial up. Like people were just, yeah, dial up, downloading like limpbiscuit.exe and just <laughs> yep. fucking up the whole computer. And then, you know, I'd, I'd maybe get online and be on like, like ICQ and MSN and things yeah. talking to people, but we didn't have access the way we do now to just information. Um, and no one, I, I just didn't, I, I didn't know a single person who I could talk to about any of it not one I, I couldn't name a single 
there are, I'm sure that there were plenty of people that I, I maybe could have spoken to, but I didn't recognize it. Everyone else was either balling up themselves or whatever. But in my life as a kid, my entire family were just not the people I felt comfortable speaking to. And all of my friends were just pretty normal, pretty neurotypical, pretty, mm. you know, just fine. Um, everyone always has more going on behind closed doors than you realize. But in terms of presenting, and I'm, I'm pretty insight, I can usually read people very well. And um, I can usually figure out someone I can usually connect, I'll be like, oh, you yeah. might have a thing and I can kind of recognize quite often I've been in a room with random strangers and I've been like you're a drug addict and I can tell mm -hmm. and like I just something has developed in me over the years and I know as a kid I didn't have access to that so I didn't have anybody that I could speak to as a guide I didn't have anybody that I could look to to maybe just be like what is going on in my head mm. um and there was no resources available I mean there probably was but I didn't even know that I was fucked up enough to go they weren't um, easily available. You would have to know who to speak to or somebody would have to have given you the phone number to talk about it, you know? Or yeah. Um, I ended up uh, being marched into a therapist's office when I was 19. And I actually, it doesn't sound like I did therapy at 19 um, through to my 20th year. But... Um, I, uh, if you have a manic episode on the NHS, mm -hmm. they actually give you a therapist immediately. Now, that's the shortcut. Don't do it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, like, the, like it's really yeah. hard to get therapy on the NHS. It's the really hard to get, like... The current you... waiting period is three years. As of the time of this recording, it's about three years to, to yeah. get anything it was, um, It was almost impossible. It was like a year to get a counsellor, not a therapist, just someone who, who sits in a room with you and isn't qualified to do like CBT therapy even, just yeah, yeah. just whatever. Um, now, if you, if you have a manic episode, which can be a bunch of different things, um, but an example is a, a suicide attempt, yeah. they will throw you straight in the next day. They pump your stomach and they walk you straight into a therapist the next day um, and you immediately get help. I had that at 19 and I had somebody that taught me a lot of, it's the first time I ever spoke to somebody who said, right, this is what's going on with you. And this is why you are reliant on drugs and alcohol and why you feel that way and why you're doing all this other stuff. And I was very OCD. Weirdly enough, I have a lot of depression and um, I was, misdiagnosed with dysemic disorder which is like a general low mood thing all right um okay. turns out now i think i'm bipolar <laughs> i don't oh, right, I can't okay. remember what they uh, i don't know my last therapist went i'm not going to diagnose you because you're going to go home and obsess over it and start living within the parameters of what it says on the internet and i don't think that's good for you and i was like fine yeah yeah she was like i can if you want me to but i think it's a great idea that i don't actually give you your diagnosis here um because you'll hyper-focus on the research and want yeah, to know exactly what's what. And I'll obsess yeah. over it. Obsessive compulsive disorder. I just start to, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, so yeah, but from, from what I've gleaned, it is um, some variant of bipolar and also uh, general anxiety disorder and OCD. And the weirdest thing about going into this therapist is I'm thinking, oh, he's going to be like bang on the depression, depression stuff. He's going to be like, we got to, check the sadness as quickly as possible because that's what's going to fuck him up but actually he was on the ocd 
because OCD is my worst thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it at the time, the, the worry and the obsession and the intrusive thoughts and the, and the, um, need to control my surroundings and to control my mood and everything like that was just manifesting in these like wild ways. And I've never had the OCD is really easy to understand when someone has to like turn a light switch off 12 times before they leave a room or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't really have many of those. Um, I have certain things that I won't go into because we'll be here all night. Sorry, but, but it's also um, massively misrepresented as well. There's so many completely. people that just slang it off to, oh, I'm so OCD about this. And it's like, yeah, you don't I have understand. to arrange all my pens. Yeah. How, like, no, how... dude, I can't stop thinking about the fact that I'm going to accidentally cut myself with that pencil, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, it's in my head. And my brain is telling me that I've cut myself with the pencil and it keeps showing me it and my body reacts and I think I'm actually injured. It's mm. fucking weird. Um, and you can obsess over things like that. Um, I have spoken about it on my stream at, at greater length, um, but I don't want to... It is a confusing one to understand. But the the thing that was strange, I guess, and the point I was originally making here, was that the it was the first time I had ever had someone explain any of this to me. And I was 19. I was way already too deep in. I was too busted up and broken. And it's I don't really use those terms, but anymore that's how i felt and um he did a lot to to curb some of the extremes i think for me um and then taught me a lot of things gave me a lot of tools to go away and figure out what i'm doing but like that's what it took to get information yeah. in that at that period like though all those years ago before the internet yeah um, you just couldn't, there was no, unless you stumbled into someone else. And I, a lot of my friends were casual drug users, healthily, I guess that you, if you are just fine mentally, I honestly think you're good taking just about any drug, probably not like heroin or anything that's like insanely, um, one dose. Yeah. One dose addictions. Yeah. You're done. Dynamic of, of everything in moderation like drugs yeah. have all been invented across the the years of medical medical practices i mean cocaine was once an ingredient for a variety yeah. of different non-descript non yeah things like the, the, there was yeah. so much of it and it's just the way that it's been refined over the years i mean i used to work in a pharmaceutical company and I, when i did my um some training for one of the jobs i was doing they were saying that it in america in the states at the moment or as of the point where i was doing my training uh, 80 percent of addiction is prescription drugs it's all yeah. it's all stuff that's been prescribed to people um yeah and it's just like wow that's that's pretty well I, it's also i think because they don't um treat the mental health issue no, they just, they just give, you, give you medicine to make yeah. you feel better and that's that is, I guess, what I mean when I say if you just kind of feel fine and you don't have a lot of mental health issues going on, um, you could probably take acid. You could easily take ecstasy. I, I, I recommend MDMA. Try it. It's fun. For the purposes um, of uh, terms of service, we are not <laughs> recommending anybody do any kind of dr illegal drug. All views of my own are not Val and Vane's. I forgot I was not on my own. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I'm kind of, and I'm joking a little, but, um, but the, it's just that, the point is that if you are relying on it as a crutch, you become reliant upon it as a crutch. And mm -hmm. instead of processing, what I needed to do was process all of the things that happened to me as a kid 
and all the things I saw and it's just, you know, and all the weird um, upbringing, emotional, abusive things that was happening in my family. Um, I didn't process any of it. I just went, um, well, I guess I'll just, that feels weird. Hey, what does this do? It makes me feel better. Cool. Mm. And it's like my brain didn't even develop like a, the understanding that I can process emotions. I just became completely void of them almost. There's also probably an element in there. And again, I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but there's probably like an element in there of like, especially if you had OCD from quite a young age and stuff of the idea of the obsession of control, knowing you can't control a situation, especially a bad situation and going, well, what I can control is this escape from the situation. Yeah. It's just pure escapism. It's yeah. pure um, cope. Just that mm-hmm. just, this is the part of my brain that should be going, okay, this was uncomfortable and I feel bad. Okay. I understand that feeling. And it goes out the other side and you process emotions coming in, you feel them, you understand what is happening. It doesn't change how it feels, but it's just still there. Maybe it's sadness. You come in, you feel sad. It goes away. I was just going, "Mm, I don't like that. Quick, get rid of it with this. And I would just smoke something or take a drug or rub something into my gums. And, um, you, you, if you're a kid, you're screwed because it is, you, you, that's how you learn to cope with everything. And like you said at the beginning, I still feel like it now. I've had a shit week this week. Not really mm-hmm. a shit week. I probably shouldn't say a shit week, but it has been an, an emotional week for me. Mm-hmm. And there is, and it is so strange to still feel like I want to go and buy drugs. Just, just so like quickly. 13 years on. My brain will go, we can fix this with drugs. And I go, dude, shut the fuck up. What are you? Yeah. Like, who well, are you? That's, that's you for where that whole thing of never, you're always an addict. You might be sober, but you're always an addict. And that's the part of your brain that just goes, do you remember this really good time that we had? Well, that was because of these chemicals. Oh, yeah, we can I just mean? get rid of it. I, you want the cure? I've got the cure for this thing. And it isn't. Um, like anyone who's maybe had any, I was, I had such massive drug tolerance by the end of it that they weren't even doing anything. I just needed them to stave off feeling like shit physically mm. a lot of the time. It was like, if I didn't take, Coke was probably my main thing. Like I don't, I wouldn't be able to quantify how much I took, how much I spent. I was in debt uh, at the end of this as well, which is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I was on so much of it that if I didn't take any in like a 24 hour period, I couldn't function. I was like barely able to move almost. It's crazy how dependent your body can become on it Mm. and you take it and it doesn't even have the same effect it wasn't even it was barely even waking me up and i was like dude this is crazy the tolerance is is wild it's i mean it it happens with a lot of those where like the super bugs and stuff come from is because everything grows a tolerance eventually um, I realize we've been talking a whole load about like drugs and bits and pieces. Um, I've and... wasted the entire thing on this. Wait, no, not, not this a waste is what you at wanted all. me to talk about. Not a waste <laughs> at all. But I did, I did want to know like how it affected, because with this being a sex education podcast, how mm. did like the drugs affect like your relation, your intimate relationships? And did it, was it a, a replacement for coital engagement or better with, or was it, what, what was the dynamic in your, in regards to like your relationship yeah. with drugs and your relationship with either relationships and um, sex, etc. Um, there's a couple of, um, elements to it. 
on on just the straight up just having sex just banging mm-hmm. um for me there was it, it was like it was kind of like a crapshoot depending on how many drugs i took and later on a lot of people ask me like what's it like to just like i don't know just do cocaine and then have sex and i don't really know because i never just did cocaine i would yeah. i would i'd be on a cocktail of different things i'd be drunk so there was no like scientific measurement or anything yeah, like yeah. that I mean, um, I'd like to think that nobody went into sex with just an experiment on their mind, you know, <laughs> like they've, right, yeah. they've, they've got um, alternate reasons. <laughs> yeah. And for, for a good chunk of the period I was doing a lot of drugs and I was living in that crack den, I was uh, in a relationship with a really wonderful woman girl. She was the same age as me. Maybe she was a year younger than me. Mm. So she would have been like 20. I'd have been maybe 21, something like that. And, um, I destroyed that fucking relationship and it is one of those things that eats me up all the time about how I just feel bad about that. Yeah. Um, but in turn, like when you're out of a relationship and you're having like one night stands and stuff, sex is immediately different than when you're in a relationship yes. because yeah, yeah. all of the things that come with those two things. So there's two elements in general. I, I preferred having sex on drugs yeah. because but I think what it was now that I'm older is that it lowered my inhibitions and allowed me to be more engaged and, and feel it more. I now know that I'm much older, that I'm, I'm possibly just demisexual. I like to be, um, I like to really know the person and I like to connect with them. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I just thought I wanted to fucking splooge. Well, you know? I mean, that's, that's what we get taught. Like, as, especially right. as, as young men, like it's, it's that dynamic of your, it, the, education we get is so shite that um all we get really taught is the biology i don't know what your sex ed was like but like uh, in none, regards to none none yeah it, <laughs> i was in, started having sex the That's schools are, are all just about like here's the biology or they certainly were at the time um and then as like society looks at us and it's just like yeah you need to sleep with as many people as possible that's that's your that's your job as a yeah. person you're not meant to worry about emotions going out clubbing. About, yeah it's just like what 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 about you know actual tenderness and appreciation and learning each other's yeah. bodies and the dynamics of pleasure and they're like well you're a man so ejaculation is all yeah, your you pleasure just fuck fuck things you. yeah just fuck yeah. the whole person um yeah I, I i i'm so i'm speaking with hindsight now but yeah. i do recall um being younger and, th- and questioning that and being like, man, I really am not as, I never feel quite as engaged on like a one night stand. I'm not even like that bothered. Honestly, there would be times where I just, I would, I'd give up. I'd just be like, I give up. I, I, I can't finish. And I was kind of like getting soft kind of, mm-hmm. and just being like, I don't really. And I just assumed it was drugs all the time. And now I wonder whether I just didn't feel connected. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah, so, um, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Quite possibly. Uh, I mean, I, I hate one night stands. I hate them. Mm. I've never enjoyed them. And I've always thought I was fucked up. And now I'm like, it's probably because I need connection with people. Like I can find people attractive and I can flirt and I flirt all the time. And, and I mm. will definitely see people that I find attractive and I will comment on it. But if I actually, if they literally were like, let's go and have sex right now, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know what books you into first. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's strange to, to think back on now, but it, with, with drugs itself, they will, they will fuck you up. Like you will 
if you were like just really high on 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 maybe like coke and stuff you um you will struggle to come is what it is and you have you get so exhausted you feel um like completely uh uh dehydrated and you're like and you just you're like i am exhausted this has been going on for how long and you're just trying to he's like blue ballsing yourself kind of um and there's a lot of drugs that will do that to you um i found that a lot of drugs and and this i think isn't just me and Mm -hmm. i'm my junk I think that this is a thing because I've spoken to a lot of other of my friends at the time. We were like, yeah. what the fuck? And, and you, MDMA and ecstasy drugs are designed that you, you'll feel, everything feels amazing. Yeah, you yeah. can lay on the carpet and be like, oh, this is lovely. Um, yeah. I think there's a family guy bit about that where he does that. And I was like, yes. It was always described um, to me as like, I've, I've not taken drugs. I don't judge people for doing it, but I don't take them myself. But it was always described to me as love and fluff. Just like, oh, we're just yeah. gonna have some love and fluff. And it was like, all right, it's, okay. It's 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 kind of nice, which is why I jokingly said, like, I recommend it so long as you don't become dependent on things yeah. like that. Um, it makes your brain turn off the next day, like really weird. It's really weird. It's like you have an IQ or an, an intelligence stat, like a DD character sheet. Oh, right, yeah. And yeah. your intelligence might be at a 10, which is like an average, but the next day it's a four. It really like yeah really like and so i was on so much of it at times i remember one time that girl that i said it ruined the relationship with said to me please don't take that many drugs tonight or don't do any drugs if my friends offer you drugs i was hanging out with her friends mm-hmm. and immediately her friend came over and said do you want some mdma i took some mdma and I, I we did a load of it and then the next day she asked me to go and get like a uh, a plate or a fork or a knife or something from the kitchen and i went out there to get this fork and I opened the drawer and I didn't know which one was a fork. Think about how crazy that is. <laughs> like, right. I, okay. That, I, that is, that, uh, <laughs> that's a fucking penny drop moment for me. Wow. I was, okay. And I just was really struggling to identify which thing in here was a fork. And like a couple of years later, I was like, oh, I need to get my brain checked or something. Like, am I, yeah. what was it, is it? A tumor or something? But yeah, it was just that it's almost like you borrow tomorrow's energy and your brain just, explodes with love everything is awesome absolutely everything is you you play a song that you vaguely like it's the best song you've ever heard you know like that's how it feels but the next day you are really dumb and i think because i was doing so many of them at this point um that knock-on effect was becoming huge and i just remember we had a huge argument that day because i was like uh which what one what did you want and she was like a fork bring me a fork you know and i was like oh yeah and i brought like everything I just grabbed one of everything. I was like, which one? And she was like, what is wrong with you? What's happening here? Did you? And then we had an argument because she realized that I had been on drugs the night before and we were, try- she was like trying to. I, I mean, uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, the addiction in general has destroyed many, many friendships, relationships, all yeah. kinds of things because it's that, well, part of it's down to the, the fact that it's one person's perspective versus an addict's perspective. And usually there's a lack of understanding of why you can't why can't you put the drugs down for me and it's like yeah. you don't understand like the the emotional bond i have for you is very much part of my soul the chemical bond i have for drugs is like tethering me to it like a wall and chain like, yeah there's like no... i need food or yeah it was it was just the same thing you have food you need to drink water you need to take in oxygen and, and I needed said, drugs. These, these to will, this is going to kill me if it, if you didn't change. And 
you yeah. did eventually. What? I, so I, what, I know. Yeah. Oh, go on. That was it. Um, what was it like after, like, because obviously you say you hit like twenty three. You had that moment, the epiphany moment, the um, where you were just like, right, okay, I need to sort this shit out. When went through your withdrawal and stuff, but like, what was the mm. first intimacy moment like in with sobriety? Because I mean, you said you've been hitting the drugs of some description since 14 to 23. That's nine years of drug taking that yeah. got excessively worse. And then you got sober. What was that moment like where you were just like, do you know what? I, I'm now sober. I want to get a relationship, whatever the scenario. I kind of, so I had a year where I did very little. I, had, I worked in Halfords installing car radios. I went from oh, like yeah, a pretty yeah. decent London job, mid-level reprographics. I was doing junior artworking on the fucking Olympics when we had the Olympics in this country. Mm -hmm. um, and I built myself up to a point in a company that I was using Adobe Illustrator to just draw lines on a fucking blueprint. Really kind of a boring job. Junior artworker sounds really cool, but actually is really boring. Um, <laughs> but I had, I had kind of made somehow just made my way back up in this company just from being there for so many years. And that was the job that I, I ended up quitting. Um, and I went to, and then I was installing car radios in half. I was just sitting there in a fucking Nissan micro, pulling those things out, plugging them in, lying to anyone around me about how long it, be like, it's a 10 minute job. And I'd be like, yeah, it's probably about 20, 25 minutes. So I could just sit in the car for longer and not do work. Didn't bother trying. It wasn't like a, a career move or anything. I just yeah. needed to basically keep my mom off my back. Cause she thought I was, throwing my life away which it looked like and uh, also just a little bit of money so i had money coming in i had extreme debt i was buying coke by taking money out of an atm on a credit card by the end of that last year which is the most terrifyingly awful thing you can yeah. do yeah. um and uh so i spent that year i was still smoking weed and i was still kind of drinking and going out but it wasn't it was more like a local pub we might go and sit in and, and chat. And I had a couple of friends and we would just play PlayStation, like like rock band era. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just like whatever was coming out. And we'd play PlayStation 3 games, I think was around that era. And um, a, a particular friend of mine was into the gym and he convinced me to start going to the gym. And he had a home gym and he, he uh, had a local gym that was really cheap. Um, at, literally, I think it was about five pound a month to go to this gym. It was way out in the sticks and so mean particularly cheap for anybody who's crazy, listening yeah. in another country or what have you <laughs> really? five pounds a gym is really yeah um, at the time i think the other gyms were like 30 pound a month minimum um and so he managed to convince me to just to to go to the gym with him and so i actually got really healthy um I had already done before I moved out. I was I did a little bit of boxing and kickboxing and I'd been into the gym casually with friends before and I was quite healthy and then I was really unhealthy and then I was extremely healthy. And this year, um, I was I spent it doing nothing. I sat at my friend's house and maybe smoked a little weed and played PlayStation games. I would go to the gym, I was cycling and uh we would go to like pubs and stuff. And then one night I slept with my friend's sister. <laughs> and then I was, and then I woke up and I went downstairs and my friend was in the kitchen and he was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I went, 
oh, I'm in love with your sister. I always have been. And I lied because I was just so, it was like, he's in freak out. Okay. And then he was like, oh, oh, you, oh, okay, great. And then I was in a relationship with his sister for a year. Um, and it was wow. weird. And I yeah. feel really bad about it. Yeah. But also, she was great. Like, she, yeah. she just wasn't like the girl of my dreams. Yeah. Um, and wasn't like, it wasn't like I was head over heels in love with her. But I did like her a lot. And we were in a relationship for about a year. But it was a little unbalanced. Um, because I was getting my life back together. I was still fucked up. I was mentally fucked up. I was very, it sounds like I was on this health kick and I had everything together. Um, but at the time, I was still free falling. Just, but just in this sort of like energy saver mode. Yeah, yeah. Um, just trying to kind of get my shit together. And so I ended up in a relationship with my friend's sister, who um, we're friends now, although we haven't really spoken too much. Um, and uh, she was great. And um, so then so sober sex after being on drugs all the time sex. Drug sex is... Depending on the drugs, you could be on like acid and you're not even really, it's like you're not part of your own body. You're just two yeah. spirits that are floating through the fucking cosmos if you're on a, the right cocktail of drugs. Um, or it's just you banging away, hoping you'll come so that you can end it because you just feel horrible because you can't finish mm -hmm. and stuff. It, honestly, for me, it was just a flip of the coin for that most nights when I was on drugs. Um, was this still in the this craving? relationship? Just before we go on to that, the next bit, was there still the craving when you were drugged up? Did, was, like, did you still have the lust? Or I suppose with you being demisexual, perhaps not. It was more of a sick like, yeah, situation. It's, I wish I had a very clear-cut answer and like a yes or no answer for you, but I'm not really sure. Mm. don't know. Um, and, and also, we're dealing with like recovered JPEGs from oh, yeah, <laughs> this like yeah, yeah. broken hard drive of, of years Somewhere under mind. that redacted... I, uh, yeah, memory like, is, so is the information we require it's hard to have any real you know sometimes i don't know what i'm confabulating and just inventing you know filling the blanks with um because it's kind of hard to remember stuff but from what i understand i was still yeah i mean when you're a teenager um i feel like you have a lot more like hormones going around and you become like you just start as, as soon as you discover masturbation you don't stop for fucking years um and I had that period, and, and so I still had a lot more uh, of a, I guess, a sex drive. It's not like I don't have one now or anything, yeah. but it's just I was more interested in having sex when I was a little younger than maybe I am right now. Well, a lot of it um, when we're young is, is, I mean, so like there's no real thing as a sex drive. There's like sexual accelerators and sexual breaks. Um, but a lot of the sexual accelerators, especially in, in like teenage years, comes from the fact that it's all new. It's yeah. like this fascinating new world that you that was taboo for you you weren't allowed to know about it but such right. a young age so it's yeah the other thing that i that i wonder as well with myself being younger is that the little like serotonin oxytocin mm. bump you get from an orgasm would be a high for me that i would oh, chase yeah. yeah um so it i think i had some of that uh going as well when i was kind of really on the drugs um, and I found that after that, I wasn't as bothered, but the, so the girl that I was in this relationship with, um, again, I was interested in her in every way, but, it, but I, I, I struggled to say whether I don't think I was like in love with her and I don't think I ever saw like a really long future with her or anything. I just, 
it was and this is like it sounds like i've thought that at the time but i didn't really think that at the time yeah i just know it now yeah um at the time i was like yeah we just we're fucking it's that's it that's great and then the, you know the next thing is happening and then i'm watching a tv show i was very kind of out of it a little mm-hmm. spaced out i think i was trauma um shell shell shocked yeah, you know? yeah, yeah kind yeah. of just that, like a little recovering from the death of my previous life um and just kind of floating through this year and that, um, at that the is... end of the year i gained a bit more clarity and then i broke up with her and was yeah. like listen i think this isn't working and you know i was pretty honest and we had a nice conversation and it was a eh, an yeah. eh breakup and then we became friends a little while later but it's really good that you did become friends like after that because yeah. that could easily have gone horribly the other way yeah absolutely i mean it was um i feel extreme like that that relationship and the one i had before that i think i feel really quite regretful about how i handled it and it's easy for an old man to look back at things that i did when i was younger and feel regretful about and you know of course hindsight is 2020 and all that mm-hmm. but um now that i'm older i realized that i was it was it wasn't great it was a, i was kind of in a i was in a very weak state and she um was into me and that was enough and it wasn't until later that it felt and then i started to feel like it was unbalanced and unfair on her um and so then we broke up and i I don't think it was actually a full year by the way that we were together it it was just somewhere in that year um for several months yeah i suppose Um, it it provided you a a safe space to recover with someone who supported you and wanted you and though there might not have been the, the love as we understand it now, there was still, like, a, a connection between you. Sometimes it's hard to know. Yeah. Um, because you, if someone shows an interest in you, it's hard not to be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like, oh, well, you like me? Well, you know, well, now I like you because you like me and that makes me feel good. Um, and I think that's probably what happened. She's extremely hot. Um, for the record, which, like she was, and just to, it doesn't mean much at all, mm-hmm. but uh, again, young man brain, um, she was goddamn gorgeous, like absolute supermodel, like crazy way out of my league hot, um, but just not, I don't know why I didn't have that full connection with her even though we got on, we liked the same music, we'd watch all the same movies, we laughed at the same jokes. Um, we had a great time together. And some for some reason, I just did not connect with her even after, you know, um, a few more months of getting to know one another. Um, I guess the original question you had, I mean, that kind of went off. And I know I sound like an asshole about that, and I don't mind if people think I'm an asshole over that, you know, like it was, kind of feels... it was a recovery period. And at the end of the day, we like, none of us can change our past, but we can let the past guide our future. And yeah. you, you, you're being very honest and open about the fact that it's like, this is how things were. This is how I was with them. And yeah. you might not necessarily be happy about it or proud about it, but you're honest about it. And it That's helps literally you. All I have. Yeah. And well, it helps you guide the future, doesn't it? And, and yeah. learn from those things. Yeah. Um, the, the original question was about sex for the first was, time yeah. after, um, <laughs> uh, after sobriety. And, and from what I remember, it, it was her. And um, 
it was um it was fine it was just just fine it wasn't anything like incredible i didn't have any of these like experiences or anything like that it just it was just the most uh normal sex i think i've ever had and i don't know how to i, I don't even like the word normal but like i don't know how to describe it it just feels like it, it's funny because through what we just said about this relationship I have with this girl like what the whole thing is really weird and an unorthodox relationship and stuff but um the sexual side of it was just like any average couple i think just every few days we would just make out and then have sex and it was just normal vanilla and no one no one was doing anything crazy i wasn't mm. being sounded or anything it was just like normal just a random normal positions average sexual relationship um in which from what i understand we were both happy with it we both came to fucking conclusions and and we just then we got on with our day um i was still smoking weed and so i i did find that while i was high on if i was i don't often like being drunk mm -hmm. because i feel like i'm less in control and i'm you know i i, I like to I'm I I'm having fun if you're having fun. So yeah. I'm doing my best is what I'm my where my brain's at most of the time when I'm having sex. Um so I'm really trying I'm like a little he's trying his best, you know. <laughs> and I and I fucking I hope it's always been great for all my partners. Um but uh yeah, with with weed I I found that I could slow myself down, I could take my time, I could really kind of get into it and feel the moment more. Um being there in the moment is really important. Like, yeah and and i think because um for the longest time it's that same thing the way i learned or understood the male side of having um sex with you know a, a woman um in just a cis relationship yeah. was uh guy just fucking pumps away and comes and that's it and like you know like that's just what it was and and like oh having sex with a woman is a woman is a d different machine from what i understand now I, I know this is a sex podcast and i'm not the guy but <laughs> from what i understand totally different um and it, there's a lot like foreplay is important it's a build-up there's there's like there's more to emotional connection is quite often uh extremely important and so so it's like this um like you're winding up a machine to um carefully to a release almost yeah. i don't know how to describe it but with a guy you can you can literally just fuck a sofa hard enough <laughs> and come because you i feel like most well, this is the and thing, it's exactly. just reducing everything down to like animal levels because i'm not really even this way myself but mm. you can kind of just just stroke a dick until it finishes um and I just, I don't think that is the case if you're it a woman. It actually isn't the case for the vast majority of like people with penises either. And this is the, the fascinating thing, like obviously. This is where all this things. shit is so yeah. fucked up in my head, man. I don't know any of it. It's a bit, well, that's, um, well, cause that's what we're taught. We're taught that yeah. you can fuck a sofa and, and you'd be fine. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know but, now me, I'm very hmm. different. That was just me kind of reducing it to how I thought then. Yeah. 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 Um, now I know that I'm a different creature and stuff. 
but yeah, I'm totally brought up by this like completely toxic misunderstanding mm. of but how that's what we to all get taught and enjoy. And we punish ourselves as well for not falling in line with that. And it takes a long time right. for us to get over that brain space of being like, okay, we are more complicated than just stroke a dick till it comes. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it is a more complicated dynamic. And if you take the time to appreciate that, then it's worthwhile. But again, the, what we're taught is something completely different. I purely think I stumbled upon maybe being a more conscientious lover just because I was high, uh, like mm. um, on, on weed, just stoned, mm. uh, because I was just more relaxed. You know, I was just so much more relaxed and everything, I, I was just able to take my time. There was no rush, I guess. There was no fervent need because when you're kind of like under the covers with someone and it's hot and you're kissing and you're feeling and you're grabbing and stuff it, it it's like a rush like it builds you up and like yeah. that in that state um if you add into it certain types if you add cocaine into that cocaine makes you so aggressive most of the time it makes you kind of like go 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 attitudes like adderall is cocaine yeah. so you can you like you're focused and you're on you have like objective focus um Whereas if you're higher, if you just have like a, a spliff and you're just kind of relaxed, um, that fervent kind of go, go, go attitude is usually reduced, or I, I found it was for me. And I think in those instances, um, it was more of a, it was a different kind of lovemaking. But then also, you don't always want it to be that. Sometimes you just want to fuck and then mm -hmm. finish and then go. And that's both people and you're both aware of it and you do that and you go. Um, and sometimes you want to just really, you've got the fucking whole afternoon, you're both feeling it, you're both listening to some fucking nice slow music and everyone's a little high and you're just kind of feeling around and just fucking about. And it isn't about coming, it's the whole thing is fun. Yeah. It's just, you're just falling around and that, you know, that makes you horny and you can get hornier and hornier as you go along. But yeah, I think that for me, it wasn't really necessarily that the drugs that I was on uh enhanced the experience even though I'm, i they did um in certain cases i think they just made me perform differently if that makes sense yeah, it certainly sounds like the drugs didn't they made sex into a completely different experience as opposed to like a typical sexual experience yeah, and that's why I guess I mentioned the just normal sexual relationship that me and this girl had. It was just kind of like a, just if we were in the same bed, sometimes we'd fuck and sometimes we wouldn't. And it was just a casual thing. And then there's a lot of instances. I remember these fervent drug fucks that I had. I injured myself once. I was on so many drugs. This is a really embarrassing story. But Perfect. I, um... <laughs> Perfect way to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I was seeing a girl... And I'd, uh, but it was a very messy, drug fucked up relationship um, where the two of us were sort of seeing each other and then it was on and off again and we'd see someone else and then we'd get back together, one of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was at my little crack den one night and I was on just so many drugs. I was completely, who knows what, you know, I would have been, it would be terrifying to witness right now. Um, and I, and I was, just in a porno in my head is what was happening. Okay. It, it, there was, I wasn't really, I, I think I was just trying to calm, I guess. It was just, I was just fucking a 
piece of meat you know like i don't know i have no idea because again i'm trying the to least romantic way of doing it but i understand just, <laughs> so that's that's my point i think is that it was yeah. just i was just a fucking animal i wasn't really it wasn't you like were, i was making love and yeah, i didn't you like were run so out of it. You down were her body human yourself yeah. i was drunk it was 4 a.m we just stumbled in you know all this shit um and we were fucking and i just i know that i was going really hard because i hit my head on the um the bedboard thing one of those mm. things that's against the wall i smacked my head so badly i split it open i fell off the bed i fell into where i had this like stand that had a bunch of bottles on it the whole thing fell over i'm naked covered in vodka because the bottles and beer and shit fell over an ashtray fell over me i'm bleeding i was fully erect and i was just fucked up dude and i like and i just was laying in this insane state and the door opened and like four of my friends were there because they thought something fucking crazy had happened like they didn't know what was going on and i'm just laying on the floor completely fucking <laughs> fucked up and there's just the, this girl in the bed like what the fuck and it like when I, it's one of those things that keeps me up at night a little bit because it's <laughs> okay. a funny story now. But at the, in that moment, I was so proud as well. Like as a kid, as a young man, I was very proud and I didn't want anyone. Yeah. I was, I was strong and, you know, cool, kind of. And I, it was just fucking so embarrassing, so incredibly embarrassing. It pierced through the drugs, the alcohol, everything. I remember the, I remember the point where I was laying on the ground clearly. Um, and the rest, I think it's just, you know, this fucking part was just yeah. weird. It's kind of in my memory, but the look, my friend, my friends just fucking opening the door concern, look, turning into pissing themselves, laughing back into concern when they see blood coming down my face, yeah. the girl's face was just like, uh, uh, you know, when girls get the ick meme, yeah, it was like one yeah. of those. And I was like, this is the most devastating thing that's ever happened to me. It was just so horribly embarrassing and um i hate it and it keeps me up sometimes when i think about it but uh probably drugs was the reason um <laughs> i mean it, it certainly sounds like a quite literally a cocktail of disaster if I'm completely honest. it was horrific um and so weirdly enough now i am aware of that sometimes when i'm having sex now i'm like don't hit your head against the wall and it comes up like a trauma reminder and i'm like dude just stay in the moment here can we not worry about this thing this random thing that happened fucking years ago stay with the and it's like yeah but you might hit your head against the wall and really embarrass yourself and fall out of the bed and it'd be really embarrassing and oh where's your reaction gone and i'm like hey guy come on dude and you know like that yeah. kind of i mean that yeah. is definitely that that's also a very common thing is the mind going to a certain place and then just killing the mood whether it means to it. or not it's just yeah my my brain is very um will get very sometimes very distracted when i'm having sex because i'm just like i'm like in performance mode like mm -hmm. i'm trying to do the i'm trying to i'm trying too hard to make sure that they're having fun and they're enjoying it and that they're into it but i stop having fun and there's a that's probably a whole other podcast um but yeah, I can get in my own head like that. Dig, dig deep into that one some other time for sure. <laughs> yeah, because that's one where I think that's interesting because I don't, I know that if I'm drunk or if I'm on drugs, I never have those thoughts. 
Well, it's, yeah, just, that's where that whole in it. Dutch courage idea comes in. But again, yeah. that is something we can definitely talk about. Um, All other podcasts. Another another podcast will drag you back on. That sounds like a great idea. But um, thank you so much for joining me. I realize we've overrun and we already started with technical issues and stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just there's... telling you my whole no, life story. You, I don't know I... what you wanted from this. Um, I, I just wanted to talk. Or... Um, you, you're the only person I know that is very open about um, their previous history with drugs and yeah. um, like the, the scenario there. And I was like, do you know what? I'd love to be able to get a genuine perspective on um sex relationships and drugs dynamics therein um and yeah, yeah you were the first person that that sprang to mind as somebody that would be confident enough to do that and and be honest with it's a new you know, thing you know I mean? um it is a new th like i now find that if i keep if i don't have conversations with people and they were to if you would have just if we just met and you were like oh yeah have you ever had drugs or whatever if i was to go no i feel like i'm lying now and mm -hmm. I don't like that. I don't like living with that feeling. So I became extremely open. I started just sharing stuff on my stream and I just mm -hmm. started telling everyone everything. I live, I, I don't really have any secrets apart from obviously things that people wouldn't want to know or things between friends. I wouldn't yeah, be yeah. like, oh yeah, Val and Vane, yeah, it's crazy. You've got three headed penis. It's insane. I do. It's uh, true. It's totally like a corkscrew. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I got really open with speaking. And so, yeah, I'm very happy to talk about this stuff. It isn't comfortable for me, by the way. It is. It does make me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, and, it, and it isn't something like, I think a lot of people glorify some of these kinds of stories and stuff. And I can laugh and mm -hmm. joke about them in a casual way, but it was absolutely horrifically traumatic, the entire thing. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, I'm very open with it because for one thing it makes me feel better like i can breathe like i'm not just constantly holding all of this in anymore yeah. and also sometimes i imagine like a little version of me maybe watching the stream like if i had if i could go back in time and just be like hey guy check by the way this this and this this is what's going on in your brain this is why and if you cope with it with this this is why that's doing that it would probably save me a decade of like figuring it out in my own head yeah. if i i just didn't have any guides when I was younger. So I, I love podcasts like this, like yours. I love people that educate stuff uh, because literally the point we made, um, I didn't have anyone like that. I didn't have anyone in my corner. I didn't have anyone that I felt like I could trust and there was just no resources. And because of that, I almost completely decimated my life for a good portion of it. I've always felt like I've been trying to catch up with my own life yeah um because it just felt so stunted because of that stuff that wasn't me that wasn't what who i wanted to be that wasn't the life i wanted to live I didn't have a choice um and if i had had access to information or maybe i'd watched a stream like this it might have helped you know um so i think it's important well, i'm you. always happy to no help. no i really appreciate it and, and for people that are listening or watching on the 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 vodcast on youtube or what have you um i'll actually put a whole load of links down below um for help um that you can get in and around where, wherever i can offer it you know there's there's a whole load of different places that you can get stuff and um, loads of different charities loads of different uh, resources and stuff and i know that my community here on twitch often have resources available if somebody's asking about stuff so Thanks to to my community for providing that for other people, and I will stick a whole load in the in the description. But again, thank you very much, Brad, for joining me. I know that you uh, absolutely hate shouting yourself out. 
So I won't make you feel super, even more awkward after I've dragged it out of you for the past hour and 20 minutes. But um, people, go check out Brad, um, Brad Woto on twitch.tv forward slash Brad Woto and your Buff Woto on Twitter. In fact, you know what? Um, for, uh, you can find him on Twitch and Twitter and um, I will put his link tree or what have you is in the descriptions as well.